December 31st, 2023. We're in Mesilat Yesharim, continuing in Perikaf Bet, Bibi'un Midat Ha'anava, making our way into Perikaf Gimal today, Bidarke Kiniyat Ha'anava. We're concluding the description of this Midah, this character trait of humility, and then we'll talk about the way of acquiring it. We're at the very end of this, where it says, Ha'helek Harevi'i, the fourth part. We talked about the first three last week. The fourth part with regards to what anava is, how it manifests itself, this character trait of humility. It's not so much, but that was a different aspect, the way that you comport yourself internally or even externally by putting yourself down or accepting the bizayon of others, etc. It's the, uh, it's the outpouring of kavod to others. It's the ability to give honor and show recognition to anyone and everyone. Indeed, the Mishnah at the beginning of the fourth parak of Masechet Avot says, person who's truly distinguished and honored as their, on their own is a person who's able to show that honor to others. And similarly, the Gemara in Pesachim says, How do you know that an individual, and I have a derasha about this, but an individual who knows even one aspect one uh, part of another person's personality is greater than their own, they are in such a situation supposed to be able to recognize that and give respect to that. Likewise, the Mishnah says you should make certain that you're the first to say hello and to greet anyone and everyone. The Gemara in Berachot, the Gemara in Megillah, describes how Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai was able to beat everyone to the good morning, beat everyone to the how you doing, even non-Jews out in the marketplace. Uh, Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai was a distinguished, dignified, respected individual. His respect, ironically, was achieved or continued through his respect for others. It's not only speech, it's of course action as well. The Hachamim stayed in Masechet Yevamot and Daf Samechbet that the death of 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, so it's not per se honing in on the anava side of matters, but it is, again, each of these statements, each of these descriptions speaking to the importance, the significance of showing honor in speech or in action to another. It's Rabbi Akiva's statement, of course, as well, cited in the Midrash and in Talmud Yerushalmi, that uh, what's the kelal gadoba Torah ve'ahavta l're'acha kamocha, of course, is students dying because of their lack of that abilities quite ironic and tragic. Maybe it was a lesson he learned afterwards, but it's a description, it's an understanding that Torah, that dignity, that honor isn't achieved as separate from human beings, apart from others, but rather part and parcel of who you are as a human being is your growth together with others. I was reading this morning from the book Chochmah Musa, that was the Altar of Kelm, by Simcha Zissel of Kelm. And in it, uh, among the several first letters, because he's writing about Nosei Be'ol Im Havero, a person who's able to share the burden of others. 
very relevant to the parasha, but in it, there's a letter that he writes about hearing about a student or a colleague who was traveling to Yafo, he writes, in order to be parush, in order to separate himself from others. And he has a very angry and strong, maybe not angry, strong-worded description of the mistake that this person's making. Here you're dealing with the Altar of Kelm was one of the great, greatest students of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, of the father of the Musar movement, and his vision, his understanding was if you're separating yourself from others, you're bringing yourself down. You're not growing as an individual. You're diminishing yourself. He cites from the Gemara in Masechet Kiddushin and Dafnim, where the Gemara describes that if you're not a part of the Biryot, well, then you yourself are missing a certain part of yourself as well. That's a description throughout over here. If you want to be Mechubad, you need to be Mechabed Biryot. If you want to grow in spirituality, ironically, grow in your relationship with others. It'll diminish your own self-respect. In other words, you'll be able to understand uh, if I respect that person, maybe I'm not worth as much as I believed I was. It opens you up to learning more, to growing more and understanding the significance of so much more which needs to be achieved. He says, Was there a Midrash that we follow Sure, it's the Gemara and Yivamot. Indeed, the Gemara says that, again, you know, Rabbi says it's ironic and say these words, but I'll say it for him. In Halakha, we follow, one of the reasons the Gemara states is because they were makdim, they stated the words of Beit Shammai before their own, which means to say they were mechabed the other. What does that have to do with Halakha? I follow Halakha because they, quote, were greater in terms of their understanding. Maybe the description of their understanding is one which will be less biased. If I'm being makdim the other person, it means I'm seeking truth. If I'm being mechabed the other, it means I'm passionately pursuing not my self-honor and glorification. Has v'shalom bet I was doing so. But betilel exemplified that ability of being able to be mechabed another, which is not just a, a, a virtue with regards to my social standing. It's a virtue with regards to my uh, spiritual growth, is the point we're making. Well, so it's really Yivamot. The Gemara says after the death of those students, olam shamin. Says Rashif, because of the loss of Torah. Again, it's a funny description. Uh, died because of not having kabod, and as a result, the world was missing Torah. I understand them as it's an unnecessary extra detail as hand in hand. If we're missing the kabod. Well, then the olam is shamem. Of course, in the literal sense, they had passed away. Ukmosha bizayon hu davar mitiyahes el ha-reshaim kidvar ha-katub shezacharnu bivor ha-sha'aba gam buz. He cited this pasuk earlier from Mishle, that when a wicked person comes, shame and scorn to others arrives together with them. It's part and parcel of their nature, of their character. That's a wicked person. You say, no, a wicked person might just be mehalil shabbat, has v'shalom. He might just do something wrong wrong with regards to his relationship with God. The vision of a wicked person, of a rasha, is a person who brings scorn and shame to others. So too, when you talk about a sadiq, a righteous person, it's part and parcel with kabod. It's uh, part of their nature. It's part of who they are. Now that kabod, which the zekenim, which the righteous have, is not only for themselves achieved and being given to them, it's just part of who they are. They're giving that kavot to others, as Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai and others, Betilel included. 
exemplified. Says Ramchal, we've then described the uh, the the primary facets and features of Anava upratehem and their details. Kechol parteh minima mitrahabim veolchim fianosim lefiaitim lefiamekomot. Of course, the details are going to need to be applied based on circumstance, situation, time, and uh, anything and everything. Context is going to define for us how we apply all these principles. That's what he's been writing for us purposefully throughout Misilant Yesharim. I'm providing principles, the specifics, the details you'll need to apply based on your own life. Of course, a wise person will listen and extend this further in terms of making this real. Anava, it's certain, writes Ramchal, will remove from us many pitfalls, many failing situations. It'll um, bring us closer to a success, to the goodness of life. Because a person who's truly Anav has less excitement, less passion, less jealousy in this world for this worldly pursuits, is able to focus in turn, which is the name of the game, on matters of significance, of importance, of reality. And so to the social, the social group that an anav will find for themselves just by virtue of who they are will be one which is conducive to growth as well. As a result, the anav won't come to anger. It doesn't need to be per se a specific avodah worship and an uh, and arduous activity and training to go away from chaos. If I'm surrounded by people who don't bring forth chaos, who show for me how not to have chaos, if my life is dictated by principles which focus not on achievement in this world, but on self-achievement, it's very probable that I'll be distant from chaos. Not quarrel, not competition. Matters will be more silent in the positive sense. And in a peaceful and serene fashion. Of course, Ramchal is extolling this midah. We're at the top of the... Uh, uh, of the, uh, the the rungs of, of Midot that we've been counting in this book. And Anava is toward the end. It's toward the top over here. Hey, he's describing a person who's able to truly be Anava. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu is described at the end of Parashat Be'alotecha. That is his defining feature. Of course, it's in the context of speaking wrongfully about him, but the description of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he talks about how great Moshe Rabbeinu was, is that he's Anav, he's more modest and more humble, rather, than any other human. And the Chachamim have such a statement, The same way wisdom is, so to speak, a crown for the head of the bearer, so too, and more significantly, is humility uh, the heel of, uh, of, our, of our feet. In other words, it builds the foundation. We might go above and beyond with regards to becoming wise, but how do you build your foundation? Where do you begin? You begin with a true, authentic humility. That's the heel of your foot. You can be as wise as you can achieve and become, but it won't measure up to true anava. It won't achieve anava. If anything, if it doesn't have that bedrock and foundation of humility, your chokmah will bring you astray, as we've discussed, Vizeh Barur. It continues, Mesilad Yisharim, Ramchal, beginning, Perekaf Gimal, Bidarke Kiniyata Anava. So that described for us much of the, this, uh, this midah, this character trait of humility, 
significant, indispensable for the growth of a person in a true sense. How does a person uh, achieve that? How do you come to it? Shenaim hem hamargilim et adam el anava. Ramchal writes there are two ways, two pathways to anava. Number one, harigilut, becoming Sorry. conditioned with it. Can I ask you to go back before you go forward? That's not a pasuk. It's, it's a statement of the Hachamim in Talmud Yerushalmi. The anava, so to speak, is the heel for your foot, whereas Chochmah is the crown for your head. In other words, if you don't have shoes on, there's no there's no reason to be oh, putting on a crown. It's the foundation, the base. Shenaim hem hamargilim. He writes at Adam el Anava harigilut vehahit bonen, becoming conditioned training yourself to anava, but furthermore, the analysis, the looking into it and being cognizant and thoughtful about it. Those are two ways, two of the passageways to anava. Harigilut, first and foremost, what does it mean to become accustomed to, regular to anava? adam A person slowly but surely uh, continues each of the ways that we described in the last pedic, Toward true anava, bishivat mekomot pehutim. It's not not sitting at the dais. Remember, he cited memrav the hachamim. Sit a few seats over, so to speak, from where you're supposed to. Of course, we're not only talking about seating. We're talking about standing and walking and places of honor and uh, distinction. A person should distance themselves. Try to uh, diminish uh, Walk at the end of the group. Instead of putting yourself front and center, lil bosh big says your clothing should certainly be mechubadim. They should certainly be honorable. However, they shouldn't be mefoarim. They shouldn't need to or catch the eye of others. As I mentioned, I'm reading a biography of Hafez Haim, and in it, it describes the telling of, a, of someone who was in the home and then the interpretation of his grandson. It says that his, his second wife came home one, fr- one Friday and wore for Shabbat a special dress. It was unprecedented in his house. It's probably very new in the small village known as Radin, where he lived. She was wearing a dress which had two or three separate colors uh, to, uh, in, in it. In other words, there was different fabric which was sewed together. Of course, that was the burgeoning, that was the blossoming uh, style of the time. So she was wearing something a little bit more fashionable instead of a simple gray or a simple black or whatever color. It was different colors patched together. So the Hafez Haim sighed and remarked to the people around him, Yahoram, well, he probably didn't say that. He probably said, Give out. He says, We have so little money. You see what the situation is. My wife needs to paste together these uh, different fabrics and colors. I wish we were doing better. And of course, the description, the understanding of the people who heard it initially was, You know, he's so detached from reality. He's so out of touch with what the fashion is at this time. But his grandson, as, as the book describes, had understood exactly what he was saying. He was not out of touch. And he really wasn't. He was well aware of what was going on. He was making a statement in a thoughtful way about how we don't need to, per se, be sticking out and, and following so steadfastly the latest fashions. That's not to say that we shouldn't dress fashionably. It means that we're supposed we're not in the household of Hafez Haim. But it is a description in terms of the decisions we make with regards to our, our dress. Not in terms of exposure, in terms of tziniyut, but in terms of how fast, quote-unquote, they need to be. Again, his description in that moment was not putting her down, and I don't think I could be wrong. I don't think he made her return it or anything of that sort. But it was a mindset in the moment where 
where are we with regards to the decisions we're making? We want to be mechubad, but we don't need to be mefo'ar. Mefo'ar grabs attention, mefo'ar grabs our own attention, takes our mind, our hearts off of a true pursuit and turns it into the external. Instead, the more that you condition yourself to being cognizant and thoughtful about the way you comport yourself, the way that you act and speak, etc., the more it becomes a part of who you are. Till it becomes ingrained within you. After all, it is the natural inclination propensity of all human beings to want to become greater in their mind, imagining themselves as better than they are, as more significant than they are. It's very difficult to move away from that natural gravitation to self-centeredness. After all, it's the way the Hachamim understand the sin of Adam Harishon as well. They saw themselves in the moment where the Nahash says to them, if you eat from this, you're going to be like God. That is exactly what drew them in. You're kidding me? We can be like gods. We can be greater. They saw themselves instead of seeing another. They became self-centered, lost a certain act of humility. Their transgression, their going against the will of God was their passion to become godlike or godly, which was inappropriate in that moment. I've mentioned more than once that Rashi cites from the Midrash that Adam and Hava made a special safeguard in the moment. They built a safeguard that they said for themselves, not only will we not eat from the tree, but we won't touch the tree either. And as a result, the Nahash of the moment, the Midrash Rashi cites, pushes them on, pushes Havan, says, you see, if you touched it, then nothing happened. Of course, if you eat it, nothing happens either. And the Midrash, which Rashi cites, says, and therefore you shouldn't make those sorts of gidarim. Therefore, it's wrong to make those sorts of uh, boundaries and uh, walls for you. So wait a second, the Hachamim do that all the time. The Hachamim always make for us gizirot. Wasn't that part of their job in terms of safeguarding the Torah and mitzvot? Unless the interpretation is such that they became so connected to their geder, they assumed in a haughty sense that that was the geder of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, if you build for yourself a safeguard, you say, but this is my own. I know the ikar, I know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. I'm building this for myself. And you're strong in understanding that, that's very much appropriate. If you're so haughty and so self-centered to the extent that that becomes the command of God because it's your own vision, well, in that moment, as the Midrash describes it, when he pushes her onto it, she shouldn't say, wow, I didn't die from this. I'm not going to die from eating it. Silly, silly statement. Nahash, what are you talking about? This was my own geder. That's the statement of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But she lost vision of that. She becomes in her mind already, Kelohim. She becomes in her mind already as if she's making God decisions. That's the, the tendency of human beings ingrained into, intuitively from a from, from forever, that human beings want to be greater, we want to grow ourselves, we want to see ourselves as the center of attention and attraction. And I find it interesting that the first thing he's bringing up is really like clothing, is the way to slowly penetrate yourself, to bring you to become more, you know, have more humility. 
Versus maybe just contemplate everything's given from God. Right. So it's interesting. It's it's even it's even better than you're saying in in terms of interest. He's gonna say in a moment that you got to start with the actions. Right. He's gonna specifically say that it's a direct contradiction even of what he wrote in Perikaf Bet. In Perikaf Bet, he said you can't start with the actions. You can have all sorts of silly situations. He cross referenced what he wrote in Perik Yodal. If you have people who pretend that they're <laughs> modest and instead they're really haughty. The resolution to it is that it does begin, and this is what the notes write, but it's, it's, it seems pashut to me, that it begins, as he wrote in Peter Kafbet, with a mindset. But the mindset doesn't need to be of depth. The mindset needs to be, I want anava. And now I jump into it through actions, and based on actions that I do, my mind, my heart, is, is influenced. And that's a reality. In other words, you can and should be mitbonin. That's the second aspect here. But in terms of action, action oftentimes will carry that together. If you're, if you're sitting at the front of everything, speaking first, etc., but you're saying to yourself constantly, but I'm a nothing, it's a lot more difficult to actually feel that way uh, in a significant way. He says, uh, and, and clothing, of course, clothing is what the Gemara describes as a biohanan saying, that's my Shabbat has Rabbi Yohanan saying, what's that referring to? Uh, the Gemara says that's referring to your clothing, wearing nice clothing for Shabbat because Rabbi Yohanan actually used to call his clothing Mechabedai, that which gives me honor. It's an interesting thing. So clothing certainly should give you honor, but at the same time, or specifically in the context of the clothing, but understand to a limit, be able to understand what that means in the scheme of who you're becoming through that. Right? In other words, Charles says explicitly his words, he says to uproot an intuitive drive to hitnaseut, to ga'ava, you need external actions. And the more you do them, the more it internalizes. So how are you going to internalize it if you're not playing the role? Now again, if you start without intentionality, it's detrimental. But if you start with the right intention, this is who I want to be. How am I going to do this? Through such actions. Adam Arum Bira. The Silat Yisharim has more than one sided this statement of the Hakamim Berachot and Dafiyodzayin. You should be sly, you should be wise with regards to fear. And fear incorporates or describes all of our actions. How can you be sly with it and wise with it? By acting in a way that, so to speak, will convince yourself. Play with your own mind, manipulate your own heart bring forth feelings that are not natural to you through activities. Make certain that you come up with tricks, build skills until you overcome your own intuition. Uh, the Ba'alei Musar were very, very keen and steadfast on giving suggestions to everyone and anyone on how to do so. It wasn't only through reading Misilat Yesharim and works of that sort. It was through actions which they conditioned themselves with. We'll conclude with these words. The second aspect after Harigilut, the conditioning, the doing it consistently is Hitbonenut, is looking into it. He says that 
that's paying attention to different matters. For example, the statement of Akavya ben Mahalalim, the beginning of the third chapter of Masech Avot, Make certain that you understand who you are by analyzing your future and your past. Understand where you come from, from a tipa siruha, from a uh, from a smelly and, uh, and and rotten after its effect. Tipa droplet. It's a description of, uh, of, of the biological pro- production of a human being. And to where you're going, you're going to become afar. You'll be part of the ground. You'll be uh, eaten up by worms and, uh, and, and all that uh, squirms in the ground, and all that moves in the ground. And who are you going to give? Uh, lastly, Din uh, Vaheshbon, who you're going to have to answer to, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The description initially of the where you come from uh, should, be, uh, should be noted, and that is that where we come from really defines defines oftentimes who we are. The origins of an individual, of a person, of a society, of an organization, really defines their nature. Realize that you come from something which no longer exists. It's a tipa siruha. After producing you, well, it's insignificant. If I could point to my origins and say, you see, that's where it stands. That's its legacy. Okay, that's one thing. Over here, it's a description of where you come from is a tipa siruha. It's a stench of this. It's, it's, it's a rotten and 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 uh, and uh, fallen apart tipa this droplet which created you and uh, where you're going is going to be no much not much better so in this moment it appears and it feels as if there's a significance be able to contextualize that within the larger scheme and, and effects of your life before and after. Such thoughts will negate any haughtiness and will only aid a certain humility. When a person looks into their homer, which is pahot, which is the afterlife, which is the beginning, the lowly beginning, a person could not and would not have any haughtiness and self-centeredness. They'd only be embarrassed. What's it similar to? A person who was initially a shepherd for pigs. And he rises to greatness, and he's now the head monarch. He's now the king. He has a monarchy. He's ruling over others. You think that individual will be able to have a true haughtiness and self-centeredness? All they need to do is to pause and to think about their origins, to pay attention to where they came from, and to realize they're not as significant as they might feel in this moment. They instead have a certain lowly, or not negative lowly, a base level, a grounded existence, Anava, in short, as the Midah of Moshe Rabbeinu, which the Torah extols him for, is one which each of us should be striving for. We'll continue to understand this Perek next week. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.